You are listening to Perplexity. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Perplexity, a mystery podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kadra, and I have a very exciting topic for you guys today. We are going to be talking about time slips, glitches in the matrix. So it'll be really, really interesting. I didn't realize this was such a big topic. Like there's so many different directions that you could go with this, but I've got some really perplexing time glitch stories for you guys. And then we'll also get into some different like scientific theories behind glitches in the matrix and even some top secret declassified government projects. I kind of went down a rabbit hole with this this week and I've been fascinated with the concept of time for a pretty long time uh, from the time that I took philosophy classes in college and they were talking about how time is just a social construct, it's an abstract concept, and my background as a medical speech pathologist where I work with a lot of patients with cognitive impairments and we see like that time concept and where it is in the brain uh, and how that can be dysregulated with brain damage and things like that. So I've always thought time was interesting, but there's definitely like a paranormal piece to it. And I didn't realize there was so much science behind it. I didn't know that the government had researched it before. So we will be getting into that in just a little bit. I did just want to let everybody know that I did a collaboration with a paranormal podcast called Dairyland Frights. And so that is my new spooky friend, John. And we had so much fun. We talked about a crazy exorcism. So you can check that out wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to check out Dairyland Frights on Instagram. His episodes are so much fun and he brings on lots of cool guests. I also wanted to shout out Mel's HC8 for writing a five-star review for me on Apple. And they said, binge-worthy, this podcast is addicting. So thank you so much. And I'm glad that I could feed your addiction. If you want to leave me a review on Apple or Spotify, on Apple, you can like write out reviews and it helps the show so much. So thank you in advance for that. And last but certainly not least, I just wanted to shout out Switzerland because I have some new listeners there, and that means 35 countries are listening to Perplexity, so that is so cool. So hi to Switzerland, and thank you so much for listening. Okay, so without further ado, let's get into this episode. Trigger warning, I may be discussing some content that will be disturbing for some listeners, and this podcast is not for children, so listener discretion is advised, and the sources that were used for today's episode will all be in the show notes. So time slips seem to be a genre of urban legend. People claim they accidentally, and for seemingly no reason at all, travel back or sometimes forward in time. Or maybe they see something crazy happen and then it happens again the exact same way. Like someone just hit rewind and play in this same life scene again. This belief of time slips has been going on arguably since the beginning of time, but a global community of believers can be found today. So I thought I would start off this episode telling you guys a couple of stories of what seem to be glitches in the matrix, and I will let you decide for yourself. 
In a Liverpudlian street in 1996, an off-duty policeman named Frank was on his way to meet his wife, Carol, in a bookshop called Dylan's. While he was walking there, he claimed he suddenly saw a small box van zoom in front of him, nearly hitting him. He said this van looked like something out of the 1950s, and it honked its horn at him. After this happened, Frank kind of stood back, startled, and then, you know, the van zooms off, so then he looks up at the bookstore he was walking towards, and he realizes this bookstore, Dylan's, is gone and it's transformed into this woman's boutique. There's shoes and handbags in the window, and instead of the Dylan's sign, it now says Crips. Frank then saw a girl walk in front of him wearing a lime green sleeveless top, and she started to walk into Crips. So Frank is pretty confused and disoriented at this point. He doesn't really know what's going on or what to do. So all he can think to do is follow this girl into Crips. So he walks behind her, he goes inside, but he claimed as soon as he walked into Crips, the shop transformed and went back into the bookstore in a flash. So some research was done later about this, and it was discovered that Crips was a real store back in the 50s in this area. And like a lot of other stories, when Frank's story became public and the media, other people began to come forward claiming that they had similar experiences. Another account comes from Oklahoma in the 1970s. Three workers were picking up cattle feeder equipment from a farm when in the distance they saw a little white house on this property. They didn't think much of it, but all of them noticed this house and, you know, they kind of leave work for the day, but then they return to the same site the next day and all of them realize this white house that they had seen is suddenly gone. There was also absolutely no sign of the house having ever been there but all three workers were absolutely positive of what they had seen the previous day. But hands down, the strangest and most upsetting time slip story I have ever heard comes from one of my favorite podcasts, Snap Judgments Spooked. I heard this story several years ago, and I just don't know what to think of it. It is so perplexing. It is so strange and upsetting. If you want to listen to the episode and hear the woman's perspective that this happened to, the episode is from 2017 and it's called Lost in Time. The host, Glenn Washington, when he's like doing the opener for the episode, he was even talking about how this freaked him out so much and he never wanted anything like this to ever happen to him. I'm not sure if this is the woman's actual name, but she is referred to as T.I. throughout the episode, so I think it might be the woman's initials for anonymity. So throughout the story, I'll be calling her T.I. So the way T.I. tells this story is that they were driving with their friend Bob late one night in Northwest Wisconsin. This was the early 2000s, and Bob and T.I. were coming back from a bar in Ashland, Wisconsin. It was very late, the sky was starless and pitch black, and this was an area that T.I. frequented her entire life. She drove through there every summer, so it's not like this was an area that she was unfamiliar with. That night, she said it was so dark that you couldn't see past the headlights, and the forest seemed to be swallowed in darkness. The two friends were really tired because they had been out really late, hitting the town, and they had been driving at this point for about 40 minutes. It's nearly three o'clock in the morning. 
so they decided they wanted to take a rest. But the area was very desolate. There weren't any rest stops or gas stations. So Bob offered to T.I., hey, I'll just pull over to the side of the road and we can just rest for a little bit. But T.I. wanted to get out and stretch her legs and she walks with a cane. She has some mobility issues. So she was like, you know, no, I don't really want to pull off in the darkness and uneven terrain. Like, let's just keep driving. Surely we'll find some place where we can stop. So they keep driving and eventually they come upon this bar and there's lights in the window they can hear music there's tons of cars in the parking lot and this is the roadhouse saloon so bob and ti decide they're going to stop at the roadhouse saloon hang out rest have a couple drinks and then they'll get back on the road and head home bob had actually heard of this place before because there was a guy who worked for disney and he had recently painted a mural He had been commissioned to do like this whole wall at the business. And so he was like, oh, this is the place where that guy from Disney painted the mural. Like, this is cool. I've heard about this from friends. We can go in and check it out. So they walk inside and there's a big dance floor. There is a horseshoe shaped bar. And further back in the bar is where they see this new mural. And it's an Old West scene. So they were like, oh, this is so cool. We'll have to go check out the mural. Um, They're just kind of scanning around the bar, looking at their surroundings. So T.I. sees a couple people inside, not too many. There's a bartender there. There's three ladies sitting down together with their cocktails. Uh, A couple guys playing uh, pool. And everyone began to look at T.I. and Bob when they walked in. Uh, And T.I. described it as they were looking at them as if they were expecting them. T.I of course found this odd, uh, especially because people in this area were kind of clicky and like kept to themselves. She said that's like common in the North. So they seemed to be like really friendly. They were very interested in them. So she immediately thought this was odd, but she kind of brushes it off. They go up to the bar, they get some beers and then they decide, oh, let's go check out this mural. So Bob and T.I. walk over to the mural and as they're walking over, they notice there's a man Uh, walking up to the jukebox. There's like this old jukebox there. And it was this really nice model. And this man puts a coin in the jukebox and he puts on the song, Come On, Let's Twist Again, Like We Did Last Summer by Chubby Checker. The man then kind of stumbles his way over to T.I. and he has a beer in his hand and he's like clearly drunk. And he was like, come on, let's dance. Uh, And T.I. and the podcast says she had the perfect excuse. She like points to her cane and she's like, sorry, I can't dance. So the guy kind of, you know, stumbles back onto the dance floor by himself or whatever. And T.I. and Bob then make their way over to this mural. So they're looking at this Old West saloon scene. And the scene included women sitting at a bar, gamblers sitting at a gambling table, But T.I. said that the colors in the painting were very harsh. uh, And the way it was painted, it was like this odd perspective. It was floor lit, tunnel-like. The perspective was just very strange. T.I. notices that Bob kind of has this weird look on his face. And he looks behind him and then looks back at the mural. And so T.I. is like, what? Like, what are you looking at? And Bob tells T.I., look at those guys behind us at the pool table. 
So T.I. turns around and realizes that the guys that are playing pool, using air quotes, are just kind of like standing around the pool table, frozen in place. There's no balls clinking together. There's no sounds of like pool sticks slamming against the table, the balls. It's just silent. And they're just kind of frozen there, pantomiming almost. And not only this, but Bob has realized that these men playing pool are very closely resembling the men that are gambling in the mural, the ones sitting around the table playing cards. He's like, wow, those guys look just like the people in the painting. So he's like, let's see if anybody else is in the painting. So then they notice that the young bartender in the saloon looks a lot like the gunslinger, this guy that's painted with a cowboy hat on, in the painting. He had the exact same build and features. So then they kind of start playing this game, like, let's people watch and let's see who else is in the painting that we recognize. And at this point, they're thinking, okay, these must all be regulars. And then this guy came in and like painted them into the mural. What a cool idea. After a couple of minutes, T.I. and Bob realize that every single person in this bar, except for them, is in the painting. And there's no extra people. So it's like the exact number of people in the bar besides them is the exact number of people in the painting. Then the man that was messing with the jukebox earlier and talking to T.I., asking her to dance, goes back to the jukebox again, puts in another coin, and once again, he plays, come on, let's twist again, like we did last summer, by Chubby Checker. So at this point, he's played this song twice in a row, and T.I. is like, huh, interesting. He must be a regular, must really like this song. Kind of weird, but whatever. So T.I. and Bob then started talking to people in the bar about the mural. They first started to talk to the bartender, and T.I. kind of leans over to the bartender and is like, hey, is that you in the painting? And the bartender kept this friendly expression on. He's smiling, but he just kind of like looked at her and kind of like shrugged and smiled, and he didn't say anything. And in the podcast, T.I. describes it as, He was just kind of nodding and shrugging as if he didn't understand a single word she was saying. So then T.I. looks at the women at the bar drinking cocktails and she asks them the same thing. Hey, is that you guys in the painting? And they all looked at her with completely blank expressions and said absolutely nothing. This is when they start to notice that everybody has, you know, drinks at the bar but no one is drinking anything from their drinks. The only people that were drinking were T.I. and Bob. (laughs) You know, we're kind of processing all of this and T.I. is starting to get really uncomfortable, creeped out by this situation. She wants to leave at this point, but Bob is like, oh, come on, come on. And he basically convinces her to stay for one more drink. And she said that she is very prone to that sort of thing. So she gave in and was like, okay, fine, like one more drink. So they order two more. And once again, they hear a coin drop in the jukebox. And it's the same guy again. And he puts on, come on, let's twist again, like we did last summer. So at this point, this is the third time in a row that this guy has played this song. And T.I. said this was the point when the hairs on the back of her neck were standing up. 
The people at the bar also were staring at Bob and T.I. and watching their every move. So Bob and T.I. take their beers and they walk back to the mural. This is kind of the one area where they can get away from everybody. So they get halfway towards the mural, they're like walking over there, and T.I. and Bob began to notice something strange about the mural that they hadn't noticed before. There's two gray shadowy figures towards the bottom of the painting, like at the doorway. It appeared to be a male and a female walking into this Old West saloon. So as they get closer to the mural, they realize these two shadowy figures resemble themselves. The female figure in the mural was walking with a cane. So creepy. I've heard this story so many times that I always get goosebumps. T.I. said that her heart jumped into her throat. It looked as though the two figures were slowly being filled in. Like as they're looking at it, more and more details are being painted before their eyes. So finally, Bob grabs T.I.'s arm and is like, uh, we need to get the hell out of here. So they put their drinks down and they head for the door. The guy that was playing the song at the jukebox over and over again starts to walk towards Bob and T.I. And as they go to leave, they have to cross over the dance floor. And this is when everyone in the bar stood up at the exact same time turned towards Bob and T.I. and just stare at them. The music is blaring, the lights are shining, but they go through the front door, and the second that they get outside and the front door closes, everything goes completely silent. And the inside of the bar goes pitch black. And T.I. said it was as if anything inside no longer existed. So they go to the car, and as soon as the car lights turn on, they realize the parking lot is completely empty. The windows to the bar were also still darkened, and there was no one inside. So they speed the hell out of there, and they're both so shaken up. And T.I. said that they were completely silent for like the first 10 miles that they were driving. And then they finally just look at each other, and they're like, what the fuck was that? They're both like questioning their sanity at this point, but the fact that they had both experienced it together makes it that much harder to explain and to deny. T.I. specifically says, like, if this would have happened and it was just me, I would have just written it off and said that was crazy. So the next morning at breakfast, they're telling T.I.'s sisters about this insane experience that they had. And they're so curious. They're like, let's drive over there. So they all get in the car together and they decide they're gonna drive there. It's during the daytime the next day. The saloon is indeed there. The place was pretty full. People are having food and drinks. There's all these cars parked outside and T.I. looks around when they get in to see if any of those regulars that they had seen at the bar the last night are in there again today but she doesn't recognize any of the faces, not even the bartender. But the mural is still there. It's still an Old West Saloon mural, and they go over to look at it, and they still have the gunslinger, the card players, 
the barmaids. It's all like the mural looks exactly the same. The only difference is the two figures that were slowly being painted in of the two of them, Bob and T.I., those figures are gone. T.I. then notices that the jukebox in the bar is a different jukebox. It's a completely different model than what she had seen last night. She then decides she's gonna walk over to the jukebox and look through it to see if she can find that song, Come On, Let's Twist Again, like we did last summer. But there's not even a single song on there by Chubby Checker. The bartender was also a young woman, so she walks up to the woman and she's like, hey, where's that other bartender that was here last night? And T.I. said that the woman looked at her very confused and was like, what other man? And she's like, you know, like the young guy, she's like describing him. And the woman is like, it's just me and my father that run this place. And so T.I. is like, it was Saturday night. It was really late, like three o'clock in the morning, um, describes the bartender again. And the woman is like, no, it's just me and my dad that run this place. And we closed last night at midnight. So the Roadhouse Saloon is still there, but now it's part of this little mini up north strip mall with an all night gas station and gift shops. And the mural is still there. You can go look at it. So that is the super creepy lost in time story. Uh, let's get into some scientific theories about time slips. So the nature of time is actually one of the biggest mysteries in science. Scientists still don't really know or understand what time is, but they do have a lot of theories. So one of the big theories is that the universe basically has a speed limit known as the speed of light, faster than nothing in our universe can travel. So there's the multiverse theory, and the multiverse theory explains how it could be possible for people to have traveled faster than light during time slips or glitches in the matrix. So the multiverse theory claims there's an infinite number of worlds that exist along different paths in time and that different things can happen in each universe. So if you've ever seen Rick and Morty, it's a lot like that. Support for the multiverse theory comes from the Big Bang Theory's cosmic inflation. More than 100 years ago, Einstein also revolutionized the idea of time, theorizing that time and space are inextricably linked together. Einstein also theorized that nothing can travel faster than the speed of light, which is 186,000 miles per second. But perhaps there is still much more that we have yet to understand about time. In the scientific community, there's also what has become known as the grandfather paradox, which states that if you were to go back in time and kill your grandfather before your father was born, then you wouldn't exist in the first place to kill him. But if you are a believer in the multiverse theory, this isn't a problem because you would just be killing a copy of your grandfather in another dimension, meaning that you would still be born in your dimension because the grandfather in your dimension still exists. We could also get into how time concepts are stored within the brain, like how the amount of light and temperature correlates with duration of a day and how the brain learns to subconsciously track this phenomena. 
We could talk about how the dorsolateral prefrontal right cortex is considered to be the region most involved in the perception of time. This can be seen in clinical cases where patients have developed lesions to this area of the brain, and this results in poor performance in temporal discrimination tasks. But for the sake of time and cognitive overload, I digress. Instead, let's switch gears just a little bit to get into one of my favorite topics, crazy top secret government projects. So if you've listened to my podcast before, you know that I love a good story about the insane top secret government projects that have gone on in past years. From Plum Island to MKUltra to Project Blue Book, if we know anything about the United States government, we know that they can be shady, okay? But did you know that the CIA actually studied time travel and may allegedly still be studying it today. In 1983, the CIA investigated how people could transcend space and time with their minds using what has become known as the Gateway Process. So thinking back to this time period and what we know about history, uh, the Cold War and espionage efforts were going on during this time. The military wanted super soldiers, and the U.S. was very curious about the potential for mind control. So if you think about it, it makes sense that they wanted to not only investigate mind-controlling substances, like the LSD experiments with MKUltra, but they also wanted to investigate more natural mind-control methods, like how to unlock other parts of the mind through intense meditation. So the question posed during this study was basically, what if you could transcend space and time to access another dimension by simply using your mind? So the gateway process was developed by the Monroe Institute in the 1970s, and it involved very deep meditation techniques combining sound technology. The theory was, that doing this deep meditation while listening to these weird sounds through headphones could result in an altered state of consciousness. So if you wanted to learn more about the gateway process and hear all of the steps, you can read about it on the CIA's website because this was declassified in 2003. There is a 29 page report that you can read at CIA.gov. It was written by Lieutenant Colonel Wayne McDonald and it's believed McDonnell underwent a week-long training program at the Monroe Institute to learn this gateway process. So this whole process was created by a doctor named Dr. Robert Monroe, the founder of the Monroe Institute. And it's really interesting actually how Monroe came up with this process. He basically had some really strange experiences for himself that he couldn't really explain and he wanted to learn more. So basically in 1958, he was working at the time as a New York broadcasting executive. And one day without warning, he started experiencing these really weird sensations in his body. He described it as if he was living in his physical body, but traveling via a second body to other places. The places that he would travel to also didn't seem to follow the laws of time and space like we know in our universe. So he was so fascinated by these experiences, he ended up writing a book called Journeys Out of the Body in 1971. 
He was actually really objective too in his writings, which I think is important and makes it more credible. Uh, he was very confused too at the time in regards to like what he was experiencing and what it meant. So it's not like he was writing down these wild accusations or crazy conspiracies. He was basically just writing out what he was personally experiencing. By the 1960s, Robert was curious about what all this could mean for the human mind. The big question was, is the mind capable of transcending time and space? So he started to research the connection between nonverbal audio patterns, so like different sounds that you can listen to, and its relationship to our brainwave rhythms. So he basically wanted to see if by listening to different sound patterns, like how does that affect the brain? Does it make our brain waves more active? And can that impact our brain's ability to like unlock those different time and space concepts essentially? So throughout his studies, he came across binaural beats. So he learned that when the human brain listens to binaural beats, it results in brainwave synchronization between the two hemispheres. By May of 1975, Monroe had this patent for this binaural beats experiment. And according to the Monroe Institute, they were established in order to instruct and train individuals in the art of switching perceptual modes, the art of becoming more conscious of one's particular inner resources, inner abilities, and most of all, one's inner guidance. Now, I don't know about you, but this gives me Stranger Things vibes. Like they're basically bringing all these people in and helping them access these deep subconscious parts of their brain. And it kind of gives them like superpowers. So really, really fascinating. According to the Monroe Institute, this is how the process works. So I'm gonna give you the basic summary, but like I said, you can read the whole document for yourself if you want. Um, I am not the smartest person and I found it to be very confusing and dense. So I had to like watch a lot of videos that kind of break this down and simplify it. So that is what I'm giving you. But if you are very smart and very fascinated by this, go read the document. <laughs> um, so in summary, a group of participants that are gonna participate in the gateway process meet together. They're all together in this big room and they each have these individual mats that they lie down on. They pull blankets over them and they put on these padded stereo headphones and they just lay completely still. That's really important. You can't have any movements. You're trying to clear your mind and the room is then darkened. The meditation lasts for about 45 minutes and then the lights are turned back on and everyone is free to resume sitting up, talking to each other, doing whatever. This meditation process will then happen several more times throughout the day, evening, and sometimes even in the middle of the night. So it's pretty intense. The participants listen to all different types of sound patterns in their headphones, and it's designed to keep the mind awake and increase brainwave activity while the body remains still or asleep. So the first step in the gateway process is learning deep relaxation. If you're familiar with astral projection or the intentional out-of-body experience, this is the first step to astral projecting. Mind awake, body asleep. In the gateway process, they call this focus 10. And then the next phase of the process is known as focus 12. 
and focus 12 is when the body has basically become so relaxed while the mind is still active that the participant starts to experience this feeling of levitating out of their body. They might feel really strong vibrations or have this electrical charging type of sensation throughout their body. So essentially, focus 12 is when the person starts to get that out-of-body sensation. Focus 15 is the next step, and this is when the person is able to explore other areas of time and space outside of their physical body, so they can start like moving around. You can even go to the past and Finally, the most advanced technique is focus 21, and this is when the person can, in their second body, allegedly travel to future timelines. And the Monroe Institute speaks very highly of this process, and they make some pretty strong claims. They talk about how this has the intent to promote personal growth, uh, it can improve physical and mental health, and it even claims that it has helped participants stop smoking, stop different alcohol and drug addictions, and basically made them like cut down on bad habits, like they watch less TV. During my research, I kind of went down a rabbit hole about this on YouTube, and I found a bunch of videos talking about the gateway process, and a lot of the comments, people would claim that like, they have the gateway process. Like, I guess there's tapes that you can listen to. And like, there's people who still practice this meditation process today. A lot of them claim to have really creepy experiences. And some of them have found it so intense that they've had to stop practicing because it scared them, which I feel like is what would happen to me. <laughs> so there's people who have claimed that as they do the gateway process, they learn to breathe colors, whatever that means. Um, some people claim to see shadow-like figures and see like auras around people like in their real life. Like when they're coming out of this meditation, it's impacting them in their real life. I even found a woman on YouTube that claims to be a psychic and she says that she's doing this deep meditation astral projection when she stumbled across Richard Ramirez on the astral plane. So for those of you who don't know who Richard Ramirez is, he is an infamous serial killer known as the Night Stalker. And she claims that while she was astral projecting, she met Richard Ramirez and he allegedly sexually assaulted her. So, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh, it's not funny. It's just really hard to wrap your head around. Like, I, I think I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> because you first have to like wrap your mind around the concept of coming out of your body, right? And then wrap your mind around the concept of like being able to interact with other people and other dimensions. And then crazy serial killers being able to hurt you in other dimensions. So look, look, look. Okay. Hopefully I'm, I haven't lost all of you yet and your minds aren't broken um, because my mind broke a couple of times while I was researching this. I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't know if any of this is real, like in terms of you actually being able to move, but I definitely think that this has an impact on your mind. And like a lot of things, it can impact and grow, enhance different parts of your minds in good ways and in turn, you can also expose yourself to, to dangerous things. So if you try this gateway process or if you try astral projection, please be careful. 
this was the point in my research where I knew I had gone too far and I knew I couldn't research anymore. So you can find a lot of crazy stuff about this on the internet. But basically, to summarize, Dr. Monroe came up with this whole gateway process. Um, they developed it. They used it with participants at the Monroe Institute. People obviously have access to it today. And during this time period in the 80s, they handed it over to the United States Department of Defense. So the 29-page analysis and assessment of the gateway process written by McDonnell, he often refers to what he called the absolute, which refers to the infinite energy field that exists outside of space and time. He also concluded that people who follow this process, like I said earlier, should be prepared to deal with possible encounters with intelligent, non-corporal energy forms. So just be careful. Similar to the gateway process, we also had the Stargate project, and I'm just gonna very briefly touch on this, uh, but you can read a lot more about it online. This was a secret US Army unit out of Maryland that was assigned to investigate the potential for psychic phenomena in military and domestic intelligence. So there was this whole protocol that was created and they were researching the ability to be clairvoyant, basically. Uh, and this involved out-of-body experiences. So it's said, allegedly, that the project was terminated and it was declassified in 1995. That's how we know about it, uh, after the CIA report concluded that the project was never useful to intelligence operations. But the information provided by the program was also really vague and the data seemed seemingly useless. So. Just to put your conspiracy theory hat on for a second, if you're familiar with MKUltra, there were a lot of documents that were supposed to be shredded, gotten rid of, and they were accidentally exposed. So you can read all of these documents that were supposed to be shredded, and the whole reason that they weren't destroyed is because they were misfiled by mistake. They took, to, they took them to this warehouse, and then using the Freedom of Information Act, we know way more about MKUltra than the government wanted us to know. So I kind of wonder if the documents that are out there about Project Stargate and about the gateway process, like that's the information they want us to know, you know? Um, I don't want to get too conspiracy tinfoil hat, but like the gateway process document is really hard to read and most people, including myself, would have a really hard time dissecting and understanding what the hell they're talking about. And then the Stargate project is, like the documents that are out there are incredibly vague. The data is useless. So part of me wonders if this could be intentional. And there's a lot more that was done here and that was documented that we don't know about. So who knows? Just considering all possibilities. So to some people, concepts such as time travel, astral projection, and psychic abilities seem impossible. But the government seemed to find it interesting enough to fund and do tons of research on. Why do you think that is? Maybe it was all for nothing. Maybe they discovered new worlds. Uh, maybe that's how we, you know, got in contact with UFOs. Who knows? <laughs> uh, maybe they're keeping this all under wraps. Maybe there are soldiers astral projecting right now. 
But whatever the case, this concept of time slips, glitches in the matrix, whatever you want to call it, it is certainly perplexing. And those are just some absolutely insane stories of what appear to be time slips and just some history about time travel. So what do you guys think? Because I had a pretty hard time figuring out how to talk about this because it's such a huge concept and there's just so many different avenues you can go with it. It's also hard to explain it in a way that people are going to understand, if that makes sense, because it can get so scientific. But I want to know what you guys think. Like, do you think time travel is possible? Have you ever had something like this happen to you? Did this go way over your head? Is your mind broken? (laughs) Let me know. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you are new here, I tell perplexing tales every single week. And if that sounds of interest to you, add this show to your list. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and the notification button. Or if you're listening on a podcast, hit the follow button and please leave five-star reviews. It helps the show so much. You guys have absolutely no idea. Each time that you do that, it puts the show in front of dozens of other listeners. And if you do write a review, please be sure to let me know. DM me on Instagram or something, because I would love to shout you out. You all are amazing. I hope you have a great week and stay safe. And I can't wait to talk to you guys next week, because next week is my 50th episode. So you don't want to miss that. I have a big, great story planned for you guys. I will talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Perplexity, a mystery podcast. Hosted, written, and produced by Kadra Brennan. If you enjoyed today's episode, tell the world about it by going to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leaving a five-star review. It helps the show more than you know. Contact, support, and merch links can be found in the episode description. And if you have a story to share or a topic request, send an email to perplexitymysterypodcast at gmail.com. Kadra would love to read your story on the podcast. Until next week, stay curious.